0: With your Amex card entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: I'm Saleya Mosen, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started the Big Take DC. and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Moson.
0: And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Let's go! This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on vSEN, the sports betting network.
0: Professional sports will never work in Las Vegas, they said. Hockey in the desert doesn't make sense, they said. Well, the price is wrong, Bob. Let's go. Congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights, who win their first ever Stanley Cup in franchise history yesterday right here in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. Welcome into the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Michael Lombardi out today in, as he always is on a Wednesday, Jonathan Von Tobel. And I was at the game last night. You were out there in the mayhem at Toshiba Plaza. It was a scene here in Vegas. Uh,
2: It was really cool. It was really cool to see all of that. You know, I'm not somebody, as we've discussed, right? I enjoy the sport of hockey. I don't get to watch it every single day because of what I do here at the network. Um, And since the nights have come, you know, I went to the expansion draft when it happened. So I was there in the building. It's always been cool since they've touched down here and knew that they were coming. But I've never followed it from day to day like you or like some of my friends here in Las Vegas. But it's infectious. You know, when I have some of my in-laws who don't watch 10 seconds of sports <laughs> asking me the other day, hey, you think the Knights are going to win? But I have my mom, who doesn't even know that it's a best-of-seven series or what hockey even is, asking me, hey, can we turn on the Knights game today? Whatever. Like, it's you kind of get wrapped up into it. So yesterday, you know, I'm down in the strip at a watch party and then walking up and, and going out there to Toshiba and taking pictures with strangers. I've never given so many strangers high fives or hugs or had drinks spilled on me. No, it was it was really cool, and it's cool to see people like you, people who are really into it, re- really get jazzed up about it. It's not so much me, but it is cool to see everybody else experience it. So, and it's neat. Stanley Cup champions reside here in Las Vegas. How about it?
0: It was so cool. And for the the casual fan that's not a Golden Knights fan specifically watching the game last night, maybe you didn't enjoy the game because it wasn't particularly competitive. Like at, when it was two one, kind of felt like. Maybe right. even when it was seven to three inside the building, we talked about it. You could feel a little bit of the uh anxiety, I guess, from some of the fans who have major PTSD from year two against the San Jose Sharks when the five minute major and they score all those goals in yep. the games, it's a whole thing. So, um, they're able to feel comfortable once they get to eight three, nine three, the final. I hope y'all had the over or were betting live overs throughout the course of this game because they kept Lots. on coming. But for Bill Foley, an owner of this organization who said before a team was even put together that the goal and plan was playoffs in three, a Stanley Cup in six, the history they made year one going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. They lost to the Washington Capitals in five, but in year six, they get all the way back, win in five on that same ice that they had to suffer the loss to. And it was really cool, I think, to hear Jonathan Marcheseau, who cashed those con Smythe tickets. We talked about it going into the series, throughout the course of the series. He was like minus 550, I think, going into last night to win it. And it really came down to, I think, between he and Jack Eichel. But he said post-game that comparing the feeling from year one and leaving T-Mobile Arena just with the gut punch yeah. of not reaching the ultimate goal and then having the complete flip side to that last night, the fanfare, it was, I have covered hundreds of games in that building. And it was the loudest that I have ever heard it. And it was just so much fun. You know, like I have, I have personal connections, obviously, with a Mm -hmm. lot of the people that are on the staff and the players that are there. And like, I was losing my mind seeing the equipment guys, Chris Davidson, Adams, Critter, and JW lifting the cup over their heads. I was just, there's so much work that goes in sure. to getting to that point from so many people in the organization, and I was just overjoyed, so happy for everybody. And, and
2: we shouldn't forget, too. I mean, look, like this, this team and this franchise is always going to be tied because their very first game was five days after one October out here, and there's always that emotional connection where everybody was around, everybody was watching that game. They get as far as they did that first year, but to finally get here to pay off the prediction, all of that kind of stuff, there's a lot of cool and deep ties out here in Las Vegas to the team. So it was cool to see this finally happen. And look, I mean, you would know better than me. I think they're set up to make some noise here for a little bit longer. So (laughs) as they said yesterday, you know, we're not happy with just one, as Foley said, there's more coming. But th- this was really neat to see that and be out there running into people that I know or don't know, and uh, it was it was fantastic. That vibe was awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean we've lived here forever, yep. right? And I'm I'm born and raised in the city. This is the team that made me fall in love with hockey, that made me care about yep. hockey truly. And so, I mean it's just it's historic what they've been able to accomplish in such a short time, and the the community feel that there genuinely is the tie to the city from October one and from like that group of misfits that banded together when everybody thought they were going to be just the worst expansion team in his, like, right. that's what's so funny is everybody looks back and is like the expansion draft stood oh, up yeah. for them. To to set, da, 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 da. Go look at articles back then about what a trash team. Their they point total. The, the first season together.
2: was 65 and a half.
0: Oh, just obliterated. Yep. Oh, speaking of which um, Derek Stevens, obviously mm-hmm. the uh, CEO and owner here of Circa he I was looking at the the article that we have that bill 80 puts out every morning and yep. says Derek Stevens said quote we got the living blank kicked out of us in terms of bets yep. obviously on the Vegas Golden Knights here locally everybody's bet in Vegas but he does not care I was sitting in the you know I'm you know I'm not quite just as say where as you yeah, just say Mr. where you're Derek sitting, Stevens I was up there in the nosebleeds but yep. I was on the same side as Derek and after many a goal I was looking down there at him. Patting his fist as go. hard as possible on the glass, he was losing his mind. You see the party out there at Omnia, the Cup and Derek out there, everybody having a blast. But nobody's happier than that guy. And to have the Circa Sports insignia right. patch emblazoned on everything, Stanley Cup final, first win in franchise history, so cool for Circa and for like the betting community to be able to have that for them to clinch at home ice because you, they don't have the patches on the on the away jerseys because. Right different st- not every state has legalization the way that we do here so i thought that was really really cool for circa and betting specifically
2: yep and uh pretty cool to see a team that i gotta tell you um i started to really dislike as the, the series went along like i wasn't really impressed with florida in the way that they were yeah. playing so it's actually kind of neat to watch them go out there and absolutely beat them down uh, the way that they did there was really no doubt about like that result yesterday the second that thing got started you knew when they were up to nothing like oh this mm-hmm. is uh this is probably going to go their way with relative ease.
0: Speaking of which, another first period over. Yep. Continue to cash those throughout. 15-2 and two run for the Golden Knights in first periods going over. Also, all the money came in on Vegas yesterday. Bet up from minus 145 at opening to just, yeah, I, th- I saw over $2. Well, even that was right places. probably after
2: Kachuk got officially ruled out. Yep, yes, so. broken
0: sternum for Matthew Kachuk. So you do hate to see that, that the team that you're facing isn't at full strength. Paul Maurice said post game they have four guys that were dealing with broken bones. So it was, you know, battle of attrition and the Golden Knights for, I mean, last year, remember the Golden Knights didn't make the playoffs because of how just battered and bruised and banged up they were. They never stood a shot from a health standpoint. And this year to have your captain Mark Stone go through two back surgeries in nine months and get to do one of these, ah, raise it up. Over here, sorry for our listeners. I, we have an inflatable Stanley Cup in there you here. Go. This is usually in my office at home, but I got to bring it out this week. Very exciting. Show so. the other side. But um, we'll throw it back over there. Uh,
2: so let me ask you this: disrespect or none? So the Denver Nuggets win the NBA Finals. They are the favorites to win the NBA Finals next season. Yes. Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup. They are thirteen to one and the sixth choice on the board Getting to win the Stanley
0: Cup after being a top seed in the Western Conference this year. I was a little bit surprised. No, I was a lot surprised actually to see How, that is there, number. Just, I'll ask
2: you: any big turnover roster-wise?
0: There, I mean, there could be some, and the cap is always in question yeah. because of the contracts that they have. Goalie is going to be a big, what are we going to do type right. of a situation. So got Leonard on
2: the sideline, all that. Yeah,
0: stuff. I'm pretty sure Logan Thompson is like the only other goaltender that's like under contract, moving forward right now. Congrats to Aiden Hill, by the way, who had a tremendous run. Um, and he's an unrestricted free agent now. So he's going to earn himself a nice little contract somewhere. Um, and for the age that he's at, he's getting up there. This might be the last opportunity that he really has for something like that. So really, really cool. Um, also I was talking to you. So Mark stone, obviously my rendition of lifting the cup was tremendous. I know, know. but, um, I had the shots on goal prop yesterday, over two and a half. That was a sweat. Ladies and gentlemen, the man has two goals. And only two shots, so like both of his shots went in the net. And I'm in the third period just like, can you just shoot? Get on net one more time, can you please? Gets the empty netter, so the only reason I cash my over two and a half shots on goal is because Mark Stone had the first hat trick in a series clinching game in hundred one years. How about the so. lid on
2: that empty net too for a minute? How many empty net shots did I they know. miss for a while? They're I didn't like think they are gonna get or it, right? Something.
0: It was. Oh my goodness. But I mean, speaking to the injuries again, real quickly, because Mark Stone. But you talk about Jack Eichel and the herniated mm-hmm. disc surgery that was unprecedented, and everybody that believed that it could work. And you go out and get the big fish and he comes back. Alec Martinez on D who like two years ago breaks his ankle and is playing on a broken foot throughout the postseason. Last year thinks maybe his not only career, but life could be in jeopardy for the injury that he had. And he wins another cup. And I just, I love everything and the original six misfit guys getting to start the game. I thought that was an awesome move from Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy, who a year ago today was hired by the Vegas Golden Knights after getting fired by the Boston Bruins. The storylines are never ending, I feel like. And we talk about this group and the no ego mentality that they've had despite bringing in so many of these different pieces over the years. They've maintained that from year one. And last night was the epitome of unselfishness again you have 15 different players on the score sheet, seven different goal scorers. Yeah. it's just, it's, it's awesome. And the depth and the better team won out in this series.
2: Well, and it do, it does speak to look like in four years or thereabouts, is this team probably going to be in a pretty tough spot? Sure. But yes. you you go all in.
0: We, we don't have draft picks for a
2: Yeah, while, right. But but you go all in for something like this. Yeah. It, for for the best shot at a title, and they took their best opportunity to win it. They're going to be in position to win one more next year. And at the very least, if you only get one, like that's something that is very much worth risking the future for and having some down years, because you know that you could build it up again. You've done a pretty good job. I would say, consider you want it last, yeah. uh, <laughs> last night uh, of maintaining dra- drafting and at least looking at guys and, and knowing what they're going to be uh, when you acquire them. So uh, the this- it's worth it, man. You hoist it up and that's why you sacrifice no. FM picks. FM picks. Yeah, FM Picks. What it's... That's why you get it.
0: Oh, also, one last anecdote because um when when the team, when the Golden Knights left the Ritz in Florida prior to coming back here, I, I heard from somebody that's within the organization that a woman at the desk said, All right, see you guys in a couple of days. And Captain Mark Stone said, Sorry, no, you F and won't, mm. and walked on out. So Bill Foley called his shot and the captain called his. And you'll love to see it. With the NHL and NBA Finals now over, it means silly season is here. NFL offseason headlines coming up next.
2: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatone, on v the sports betting network
0: Visit MGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Stormy Antonio and Jonathan Von Tobel with you live from Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, where we are basking in the glow that is a Stanley Cup final win for the hometown team. Vegas gets it done last night nine to three, but with the NHL and NBA finals now officially in the rear view, I, I said before the break, it's silly season now and with the NFL offseason rolling on interesting headlines keep on coming through. And one story out of Buffalo, very notable over the mm-hmm. last 24 hours. So let's get into it. Um, I'll kind of lay out the timeline of how things occurred yesterday because head coach of the bill, Sean McDermott is asked in his press conference yesterday about who's there at minicamp he says everybody except for stefan diggs asked is that concerning he says very concerning then in reflection of that stefan's diggs agent comes out on twitter and is like actually he's is there he's going to be there for the entirety of mandatory minicamp and he talked to mcdermott and other people around the organization so mm. Mm. and then ian Rapoport says well yeah he was there but then he left. Okay. Right. So what in the world is going on? Yeah. And the lasting impression that I know a lot of people have with Stefan Diggs is that final game of the year when he's on the sideline in the theatrics with Josh Allen. And Josh Allen was also asked about what might be going on with Diggs. So take a listen here and then we'll get into
2: it. Oh, I know internally we're, we're working on some things. Um, not football related. Um, but, you know, Steph, he's my guy. I, I, excuse my, I love him. He's, he's, a brother of mine. Um, you know, this does not work what we're doing here without him. Um, you know, we, 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 wish he was in here today and, um, was out there on the field with us and that's, that's not the case, but I've got his back no matter what. Um, and again, I, I, I've got no doubts that, that we will figure out what's going on and, um, I freaking love him. I, I can't stress that enough. You know, there's uh things that I, I could, I could do better. And, um, you know, to help out with this process and uh, try to get him back here and, and, you know, be the Buffalo abilities that he's he's meant to be.
0: So at least based on that response, you get the thought that maybe the issue's not with Josh, but there's an issue somewhere. Right. So what is it?
2: Who who knows? (laughs) I mean, because you're right. Like, you just, you listen to the comments. Like he said, like, some of it is football related. Some of it isn't. So whether it's a dynamic in the locker room that he's unhappy with, um, it doesn't make a ton of sense. We know that Diggs has a history, essentially, like tweeting his way out of Minnesota, right? When he was there, yeah. Um, so maybe this is part of. I don't know. And, and then we get the weird Instagram post from him, Stephon Diggs.
0: I just be letting people cap if them lies help you sleep better. Tell them, big dog.
2: Right. So who's lying? So who's the liar?
0: Is I mean, it? Is he talking about McDermott? Is he talking about Josh? Do you not really effing love me? Is it?
2: I, I mean, that's the only thing you could think of, right? Oh, the uh, like, if you're. I've read a lot of reports and a lot of people have spoken. The only people that have really spoken the consequence have been McDermott have been, have been uh Josh Allen and neither said anything crazy. Both were actually pretty much on the side of Stefan Diggs. And when you're tearing your quarterback say like, I'm going to do what I can to get him back here to be a bill. What's he, what is he lying about? I don't really, I don't know. You don't really get it. Um, Stefan Diggs is an interesting personality. So we'll see if something comes to this, but yes, uh, Mike Florio pointed out and some others, if you look at like the, uh, the potential of let's say if this is going to be a trade i mean it's not really that feasible he's going to have a ton of dead cap yeah. space that would come with trading him so it sounds like if this is going to happen like the bills just got to do whatever needs to happen to get him there
0: yeah on his contract um is due 24.415 million this year that includes a 22 million 0.745 signing bonus and he did
2: sign an extension last part year? of
0: the restructure yes he did okay. sign an extension That's a fact, right? last okay. year with calf gymnastics and like prorated over whatever number of years and stuff. If he were to get traded, that's just like an automatic dead cap hit yeah. so much money. You can't do that. Um, it's so it's interesting. I'm just trying to figure out like if it's not money, what is it? Because again, you look at the top three wide receivers in the league right now in terms of guaranteed money, it's Cooper cup at 75 Tyree kill at 72 and him at right. 70 million guaranteed money A contract through 2028 with the Buffalo bills. So What is it um, to be seen? But then you look at a guy, like, we've had the conversation over the past week or so with Debo Samuel talking about how he felt his last year was awful because Mm -hmm. of all of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes last year. Yes, his was due to money and usage and the contract issues and stuff. But when you have a star key piece of your offense that isn't showing up, that is vocally having issues now Mm -hmm. and showing his lack of happiness, that to me means there could be an impact on the field this year. So if we look at some of the props for Stefan Diggs coming into this season and at DraftKings, his yardage props at at 1125 and a half, his touchdowns at eight and a half. Um, like when you think about a guy that's not out there right now, is there any bet to be made here? Or you just kind of leave it alone.
2: I mean, I think you leave it alone because I look. It's it's June, so it is. We're getting and a if, there's little a time, tight. Yeah, if there's a time, yeah, there's a time
0: to be upset with your team. June's fine, right? June's yeah, okay.
2: like it, now when this starts to carry over, that's going to be a real question. But I also think too, instead of messing with Diggs, so let's say that this carries over. Let's say it's going to be a problem. I think you're actually you're probably looking more at maybe Josh Allen too in terms of some unders for the season. I mean, look at just you go to their roster so far. So Stefan Diggs, obviously their highest graded wide receiver from last year. If we're just talking about like PFF receiving grade, after that the second-highest-graded receiver on the roster right now is Khalil Shakir at 68. Like, there's a severe drop-off from number one to the rest of this wide receiver core. And a lot of people think the world of Gabe Davis, but he didn't really grade out particularly well uh, last season, despite a, a large share of snaps. And, like, there's a lot of unknowns in terms of the wide receivers on this roster, roster at this point right now. So it's, it's going to be very interesting because Diggs, whatever the issue is, you know he carries a lot of leverage with him because if he's not going to be there... We're talking about Khalil Shakir, Gabe Davis, Trent Shearfield, like Desmond Patman, like a lot of these other names on this roster that we're not particularly familiar with. Uh, I see that, you know, how about Tyrell Shavers out of San Diego State? He could be their number one, right? Hey, there you go. love to see it. Uh, but I, I think that's really what you're looking at, too, the with Allen. San
0: Diego State. I'm oh, sorry, University. I apologize.
2: Excuse me. Um, but like can Allen, Allen is a next-level quarterback, but is he one of those guys like an Aaron Rodgers who you can throw just a collection of bodies in his wide receiver room and just go, go ahead, win some games? Not sure if that's yeah. going to be the case, given the high volume that Stephon Diggs gets.
0: And you feel like he's going to need that that much more, too, especially because he's been talking this offseason about reining in his running usage right. a little bit here. So you're going to be more reliant on the people around you even more. The Buffalo Bills are plus 120 favorite in the very competitive AFC East and uh, third shortest shot on the odds board to win this year's Super Bowl, sitting at 9-1, to one. coming off that 13-3 season win total at 10.5. Um, also, DeAndre Hopkins constantly in the news as he continues his free agency period here, Diana Rossini of ESPN reporting that there is quote, no animosity at all between Hopkins and Mm -hmm. his former head coach, Bill O'Brien, who is of course now the offensive coordinator with the new England Patriots reports that he's going to be out there in Foxborough this week, doing um, a visit, which I mean, the Patriots don't normally do. And especially considering the price tag that Deandre Hopkins is likely going to want. It's kind of an interesting dynamic here. And I think, if the Patriots were to bring him in, certainly positive that what we thought was a rough relationship with his exit from Houston, positive thing. I
2: mean, I'd actually argue the Patriots have a long history of doing this. Randy Moss, Chad Ochocinco, like there's a lot of old time-wide receivers that they have tried to come in and bring it in because I don't want to make any, you know, maybe the namesake of the program Maybe I'm just
0: thinking recent history. No, you're right. Recently
2: it hasn't happened. But like, and I would say this too. I don't think, again, I don't want to make Michael Lombardi upset, so don't play this for him. But I don't think that the Patriots – have a tried and true history of drafting and developing receivers. They have hit on a lot of, or excuse me, they've missed on a lot of receivers, especially early round receivers, hasn't really panned out for them. So I And they have kind of this history of, okay, if we're not going to get a dominant guy through our draft process, let's go and try to land one. This would make a lot of sense. Bill, you mentioned the history with Bill O'Brien. The fact that the New England Patriots now with Mac Jones want to give them the best opportunity to win. I think they're better than most people really think. They're going to be a really good defensive team. And with this new system in place, like I think that there is a very high ceiling for New England to be extremely competitive this year. And how do you maximize that window? How do you maximize the talent of Mac Jones? You give him a receiver that you can almost essentially throw it up to in key situations, and he'll have a high probability of coming down with it. I think this makes a ton of sense. And at one point, you know, in the offseason market, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, Stormy. Could have gotten the Patriots to like 10-1 to yeah. to get DeAndre Hopkins. I thought it made a ton of sense. And again, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But we'll see. I think it does make a lot of sense. So we'll see what they want to do when they come out of these meetings. But I, I think these connections are all there for the New England Patriots to go make this move.
0: One of my favorite quotes, though, to come out of this whole saga has been when Bill Belichick was asked about whether or not mm. DeAndre Hopkins would be making the trip this week. And he said he's not a travel agent.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, right. Good okay. line.
0: Good line. Um, as of right now, the Patriots sit in plus 450 to land Hopkins. The favorite is still the Buffalo Bills at plus 250 lines, plus 350, and the Browns. If he were to reunite with his former quarterback Deshaun Watson, at four to one. So those are the numbers where things sit right now, and we're gonna keep talking about this on a daily basis, essentially as new information comes out. If he makes more visits, and still trying to find the landing spot. And potential payday because of the way that, quite frankly, Odell Beckham Jr. I think has probably changed his own value in his mind going into this year. We're going to take a quick step aside here, keeping it on the train tracks of football, but college football. Last week when JBT was on the program, we got into some college football quarterback transfers, guys in new spots, and how they might fit. Didn't get through our list. So we'll pick that back up on the other side. This is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM.
2: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on vSIN, the sports betting network.
0: You too can become a smarter sports better with a vSIN Pro subscription for a limited time. Sign up now, you just get. $9.99 for full access to everything we do here at Vsin. That means daily pro picks on all the summer action, which includes NFL and college football futures, got premium analysis from our team of top handicappers and industry experts, 24-7 video access, and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits showing you where the public and sharp money is going to give you an edge. Don't miss out. It's the lowest intro offer, price of the year. v slash subscribe. That's where you do it. Speaking of betting splits, um, looking at the website last night, it was like 92% of people in on the Vegas Golden Knights last night to close things out, which they did for their first win in franchise history. Pretty cool. Um, We'll talk to Danielle Alvari in just about 15 minutes here on the program, our WNBA expert, because while that might be the first men's professional franchise win here in the city of Las Vegas, the aces got it done a year ago. So we'll talk some WNBA hoops with them. Whoa. Whoa. Excuse me.
2: What? The Las Vegas locomotives won, I believe three out of four. (laughs) UFL championship. So let's excuse me. Let's relax.
0: Apologies to the city. Major professional. Is that better? There you go. Major professional. Uh, an hour or two. Also a good friend of the show, Harry Gagnon, host of the Against All Odds podcast, former sportsbook supervisor. He'll drop by, react a little bit to last night. I know he's got some futures looking ahead to next season in the NBA as well as the U.S. Open from Los Angeles Country Club coming up beginning tomorrow. So lots of stuff to get to over the course of the next hour and a half or so, but we're going to flip the page to college football. Now last week on the show, JVT and I were going through a couple of players looking for fresh starts. Quarterbacks specifically who have transferred to new places. We talked about Sam Hartman uh, at Notre Dame, DJ mm-hmm. Uyunglele at Oregon State. And today, as we go through, um, I think Brendan Armstrong is a natural place to go next. Heads to NC State after a major down year at Virginia. He's going to reunite with his former offensive coordinator, Robert Anai. They were together in 2021, where Mm -hmm. Armstrong had best passing season in team history, set records for yards, touchdowns, completions. What do you think of the fit at NC State?
2: Yeah, so I think the fit's nice. It's a soft landing, at least when you get your old play caller. So like that's going to be something that's really going to help out. And also... I think it's going to be a soft landing because while three of their top four receivers are gone from last year, you at least have a quarterback and a coordinator who are on the same page. So you get to bring along these receivers and at least very much help them grow in this offense. Mm-hmm. So I think there's probably at least a very solid floor that you could start with. I mean, I have questions if you know, for example, what does this offensive line look like? You're adding in a lot of transfers. You're kind of rebuilding the offensive line a little bit here. Uh, obviously, we know how big an offensive line can be for a quarterback. So even if you have good continuity with your play caller. If you can't stay upright or if you can't get any push in terms of your run blocking, then it's going to be a little bit of an issue. But overall, like, look, this is a really good program. Dave Dorn's done an awesome job with them. I think I saw this stat earlier. Out of the 40 seasons that NC State football has won seven or more games, Dave Dorn has been the head coach at eight of them. So, like, you know, they've been absolutely brilliant uh, under Dorn. They just haven't gotten all the way Mm -hmm. through. So I would say this is the best thing you can do when you bring in a quarterback, the level of Armstrong, you know how you can play, and bring in the guy that's gotten the most out of him. I mean, you look at last season when um, Minnesota tried to do it with Tanner Morgan, right? Bringing back his old offensive coordinator. Yep. So I think this is what you want to do here, man. And I think it's a really good start at the very least for a quality football program. And
0: I liked what you said, too, about bringing the other people like along with him. They're learning verbiage. He already yep. knows the verbiage and the little things like that as you're incorporating new pieces with a new offensive coordinator. When I said he had a major down year last year at Virginia, I was not kidding. Uh, 13 total touchdowns for him, just seven of those passing to 12 interceptions, a 54.7 completion percentage. Hard to forget the game with Pitt last year where his first two passes of the game were touchdowns for the other team. (laughs) So that's like the worst imaginable start for a football game. Um, And while NC State's off, like they had a lot of optimism going into last year with Devin Leary returning and thinking Mm -hmm. all these things were going to be very positive. And obviously that's not what worked out. He gets injured with the torn peck, really derailed the season, didn't get off to a great start regardless. Their offense for NC State averaged 24.3 points per game last year, but they did have a really strong defense, actually tied for the ACC lead in fewest points allowed, 19.2. And they return a lot, should still be pretty darn good, despite a couple of departures from the linebacker room. Their win total set at 6.5. The over is minus 145, though, so the belief is they'll get over that number.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, they don't really have the, the worst road chips in the world, but they're going to be like coin flip spots. Yeah. Uh, You know, when you're talking about in-conference, Virginia, Duke, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech. Uh, The home schedule is pretty brutal, though, for NC State. And that's what I think you look at when you're talking about Louisville, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina. That's a a murderer's row, even though you do get them at home. So I I think they're going to be, I would say, put it this way, I don't think I want to lay a price to get over six and a half. Mm. I think when you're talking about some coin flip spots on the road and some of these spots at home where you're going to be really up against it, against some quality football programs. And even like the rest of the other spots of their schedule, Stormy uh, at UConn. All right, UConn is I think is improving. It might be a little bit than you, uh, slipperier than you think, if I can say it. Uh, Notre Dame at home. Yeah, I think this as much as you might see improvements, and yeah. this secondary is really going to be good. I would very much look toward the under if, if we're talking about a price of you know plus one twenty five.
0: And the league could be uh, pretty interesting this year, yep. I think, too. Florida State coming off a 10-3 and season. Clemson, we know how many titles they've won over the last seven, eight seasons. They bounced back to get it again last season. Uh, and no Atlantic and coastal divisions anymore. Divisions mm-hmm. are gone in the ACC as of this year. Okay, speaking of NC State, though, and Devin Leary, he is now the quarterback over there at Kentucky with Will Levis in the NFL. Um, I mentioned that torn pec in October of last year. So he entered the year last year as, like, getting genuine draft hype yep. talking about the touchdown interception ratio all things were up up in a way they were a dark horse to potentially win the league and obviously that fell apart but yeah. what do you think about leary at, at kentucky
2: man I, I liked devin leary in all of his time over there at nc And you look like you know you mentioned it before the injury look at some of these years especially 2021 for him too when you're talking about PFF wise, a grade of 85.1 35 and 5 in the touchdown to uh, interception ratio for leary if he's in the right situation I think he could be a really good quarterback. I kind of understood all of the hype coming in on Leary about that. So the question is just, in a new environment, how are you going to look in Kentucky? And and I think that there's something there. Leary, who I think has a really talented group uh, of receivers to mm-hmm. throw to, freshman All-Americans, what is it, Barry and Brown, Dane Key. Davian
0: uh, Robinson. Yep,
2: right. Well over you know 1,200 yards uh, season to go between the two guys that I mentioned. Like This is going to be something that I think is going to be I think kind of nice for him. And look, you have to replace Chris Rodriguez, but you get a good Vanderbilt transfer behind him at running back. I think there's a relatively high ceiling for this offense if Leary's going to be healthy and as effective as he was.
0: And for an offensive line that quite frankly couldn't get worse, they're yep. expected to rebound, brought some transfers in there up front as well. Last year, Kentucky goes seven and six. Their win total this year, six and a half, similarly juice to that minus one forty-five. Um, Defense was good last year, only allowed 19.2 points per game. Their linebacker unit expected to be yep. a best, among the best in the SEC this year. Um, I, I'm not run, rushing, rushing to the counter again to lay that price for an over, but um, they look to be better, and Devin Leary, I think, in a good position in the
2: SEC. Yeah, and I think if we're – so the two teams we've talked about so far – I think this is a schedule that is somewhat manageable if you're going to get, like, the best version of Devin Leary because you're opening up All-State Eastern Kentucky and Akron before you go on the road to play Vanderbilt. That should be a winnable game for you against a conference opponent. Coming back to uh, to host Florida, that should be a matchup. uh, that that, At least the very least at home, you should be able to win. Gets a little tough on the road against Georgia, but after that stormy home games against Missouri and Tennessee, like South Carolina and Louisville to round it out on the road. It's not the worst schedule in the world for Kentucky. So if this defense is going to be exactly what we expect them to be, and Leary's going to be close to the guy that he could be, especially back in 2021, out of the two, uh, if we're talking about you're laying a buck 45 with NC State to go over or a buck 45 – for their old quarterback and his new team to go over. I think I'd rather look at Kentucky in this spot to go over at that price as opposed to NC State.
0: Talking college football quarterbacks in new places, who's going to have the best fresh start in 2023? Hudson Card, now at Purdue, following the departure of Aiden O'Connell. Card coming over from Texas, of course. He was initially recruited to Texas from Tom Herman, so everything with Sark and bringing in Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning, like he just didn't have a place anymore. Um, First-year head coach at Purdue, Ryan Walters, new offensive coordinator coming in there, and Graham Harrell. Mm-hmm. They want to use Hudson Card as more of a dual-threat guy, kind of like what he was perceived to be coming out of high school. And Texas didn't use him in that way, so I think that could be an interesting wrinkle for him this year.
2: Yeah, and I think Hudson Carr is just a good quarterback, man. Like he was in that game; he almost pulled it off for them against Alabama. You know, he's got, I think, a pretty high floor in terms of what he wants to be. You mentioned the offense under Graham Harrell; it should be pretty solid. Uh, the offense for him last year, 400 yards, and on average, 26.6 points per game. So that should kind of keep going here uh, with Purdue. There's some good talent along their offensive line. They're bringing a couple of transfers that would include UNLV's Preston Nichols, who's actually a pretty good interior lineman that should really help them out. Uh, I, I think everything kind of works for them on offense. The only question is just like, all right, like what are we going to do at receiver? TG Sheffield, leading returner, 46 ca- catches last year. But this has been a good program, and you have a new head coach. But I think overall – I think the offense at the very least is set up for success. And especially in you know a big 10 that outside of the top teams, there's a lot of upward mobility outside of those top three.
0: I just think what's tough is you look at the schedule, non-conference Fresno yeah. state, Syracuse at Virginia tech, then you're also at Michigan, Wisconsin, yep. Ohio State. You know, the the schedule isn't particularly friendly. Win total sitting at 5.5, over plus 110, under minus 130. Speaking of Graham Harrell, by the way, his former quarterback at USC and at Pitt, Caden Slovis is now at BYU as Jaron Hall moves on um, to the Minnesota Vikings quarterback room. Now, I, I'm interested how BYU is going to look their first year in the Big 12, their win total set at five and a half, and they lose a couple of, I mean, Puka Nakua is gone. Their lead rusher, Christopher Brooks, is gone. So that's another offense that um not sure how they're going to look in 2023 in a new conference, but excited to see. Hopefully, Keaton Flovis can be another guy that gets his resurgence. We have to take a quick break here on the Lombardi line, but as I mentioned earlier, Danielle Alvari, our WNBA expert, coming up next. Talk some hoops. Don't miss it.